Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 27 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Okay, we're going to get straight into part one. We're going to start with the fight that took place, obviously, over in Washington. Top of the bill, Adrian Broner against Ashley Fiafane. Now, Adrian Broner went into this fight, and of course, he failed to make weight. Okay, he failed to make weight. So the title, he lost the title on the scales. So it was only up for grabs if Fiafane beat Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner, this is his second world title he's lost on the scales. Just before we get into the result of that fight I as it's real it's a real mark of unprofessionalism out of Adrian Broner now isn't it it seems like again this is the second time he's lost a belt on the scales I know that he's he's very very big you know he, he kills himself to get down to 140 but it was pretty it's pretty it's really bad for the sport seeing seeing this this type of thing go on isn't it Yes, it definitely is. I because always for him, he tra- I know he's training hard and that he's a he's a very good fighter. He's fought on a lot of top names, but look at that, 0.4, and he didn't make the weight. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was only he was only 0.4 of a pound. So um, I know that that's I mean that's hardly anything to me and you. It's hardly anything to to the boxers as well. I mean. I just don't know if he could take anything more of it. But I don't even know if he tried because I know that he got back on the scales and he was drinking some sort of um, some sort of beverage on the scales and he really just didn't take it serious, Adrian Broner. So I don't know. I mean, he's he seems like he's... A lot of people have been talking about him this week about his bad for boxing outside of the ring. He's got, of course, the, um, the arrest warrant going on this week as well. So it's all a bit crazy for Adrian Broner. But nonetheless, he got in there. He fought our very own Ashley Fiafane, Adrian Brown of 31 wins and two losses going into this fight. Ashley Fiafane 39 and 6 with the one draw. Adrian Broner managed to get the TKO in the ninth round of this fight. So, you know, he, he beat Ashley Fiafane. Of course, he didn't end up defending his belt because he lost it on the scales. Um, Adrian Broner, he, he done quite well to be honest. He was he started off okay. Ashley Fiafane didn't look very good in the in the first couple of rounds. Um, it only took maybe till the fourth or fifth round or the sixth round. The latter rounds, Ashley Fiafane was was I wouldn't say taking over, but I think he was getting into his rhythm and getting into his groove. He done really well. I know that his game plan apparently was to come on in the latter part of the fight but he seemed to just he couldn't really get going like I say he picked up his game and the rounds were a bit closer he landed some good shots on Broner but of course you know Broner was was just too good on the night and the TKO um, well basically when you watch the replay Ashley Fearfame was hit with a low blow it was blatant to see this low blow okay but I think Ashley Fearfame was bending over when it when he got hit with a low blow so it was a bit hard maybe for the referee to have seen it 
it and he seemed to like stagger stagger with this low blow and he he, he got hit a couple of times with with a shot from Broner after that and then he kind of like did, did a hand gesture some sort of hand gesture to the referee it's almost like he shook his glove I'm not too sure what he was trying to signal but he was basically trying to signal something to do with the low blow that the referee had not seen and not not stopped the fight momentarily for and um, the referee seemed to think that Ashley Fiafane was gesturing to stop the fight that he didn't want to carry on and the referee stopped the fight simple as that really so I'm not sure the referee done too well there but I'm not sure the hands the hand signal that the Ashley Fiafane motioned was extremely accurate either so a bit a bit of fault on both sides there but nonetheless Adrian Broner now 32 and 2 Ashley Fiafane 39 and 7 with the one draw of course Robert Easter Jr he got in there again we saw him move to 17 and 0 he picked up a TKO in the fifth round over Algenis Mendez also down that card, the brother of Lamont Peterson, Anthony Peterson, he moved to 37-1. and won. What a tasty record that is. He picked up a unanimous decision win after 10 rounds against Samuel Cote Nakwe. Also on the bill, Javonta the Tank Davis, he moved to 15-0 and with a TKO in the sixth round. A decent, a decent fight that actually while it lasted. It was a bit back and forth in the early rounds, but Javonta Davis took over and got a nice knockout. Also on the Again, this is the last fight of this card. I'm going to mention Jay Leon Love. He moved to 22 and one. He picked up a TKO in the sixth round. So a good victory for Jay Leon Love as he marches onto the world scene. Okay, we're going to now go over to Finland. This is that's it for the Friday. There, we're going to come over to Saturday now. We're going to go over to Finland, and Robert Hellanius was fighting Johan Duapas. This was for the vacant WBC silver heavyweight title. Robert Hellanius, of course, going into this fight 22 and 0, unbeaten. A couple of those fights, those wins on his record are a bit controversial. Of course, the one over Derek Chisora. Johan Duapas 33 and 3. His record going into this fight, we saw him in there with Deontay Wilder, of course. Well, Robert Hellanius was up upset here he was KO'd in the sixth round it was it was a big knockout as well when I saw the replay of it so Duapas now the new WBC silver heavyweight champ so here being some big fights coming up in the near future now going over to Poland we had him on our show a few weeks back around about Christmas time Eric Molina, he went over to Poland to face Thomas Adamek. Thomas Adamek going into this fight with a beautiful record of 50 wins and four losses. Eric Molina, 24 wins and three losses. This, of course, was for the vacant IBF Intercontinental Heavyweight title. Eric Molina picked up the KO in round 10. So Adamek, I really don't know where he goes from here. It might be time for him to hang up the gloves permanently this time. Eric Molina moves on to 25 wins and the three losses. I spoke to him. Um, in, in direct message over Twitter before and after the fight. You know, I really had faith in him and he thanked me for believing in him after the fight. So Eric Molina, a real force to be reckoned with now in the heavyweight division. I'm telling you, a very, very underrated boxer. And we'll see a lot from him in the near future. Hopefully this sets up a big clash for Eric Molina now. He come unstuck against Deontay Wilder, of course, but a big win now over Adamek in his hometown. I don't think he had much notice for it either. So fantastic stuff. Andre Warwick, he moved to 32-1. and one. He picked up a TKO in the seventh round. Again, that's up at heavyweight as well. 
well. Now, down at Cruiserweight, also on the bill, Matthias Masternak. We saw him, of course, in there with Tony Bellew not too long ago. Tony Bellew got the win. He's back to winning ways with a unanimous decision win after 10 rounds. So his new record now, 37 wins and four losses for Masternak. And now we're going to go over to the big one in the Echo Arena. Top of the bill, Hazila Mohammadi, of course, the EBU European Super Middleweight Champion. He defended his belt, or attempted to defend his belt, against our very own Callum Smith. Mohammadi was boasting a record of 20 wins and three losses with the one draw. Callum Smith unblemished 18-0 and record. Well, we know that Mohammadi took James Degau 12 rounds. How many rounds did it take Callum Smith to get rid of Mohammadi in this fight, Ayas? One round. One round. He absolutely demolished him. As soon as the first bell went, Mohammadi ran over to Callum Smith and started hitting him. He was literally giving it everything. He must have been searching for some sort of early uh, this some sort of early knockout. I don't know what he was trying to do. It was the worst thing he could have done. Um, Callum Smith covered up like a true professional, took a few punches on his gloves, found his picked his punch basically and he countered him with a left hook to the jaw now Mohammadi was in all sorts of trouble when he felt the first punch that Callum Smith landed on him he kind of staggered back and then there was a change in the momentum of course and Callum Smith just jumped on him and ended up forcing the stoppage so a massive massive statement this really does send shockwaves over the super middleweight division and now there's all sorts of big fights for Callum Smith one that we talked about off air it would be crazy I don't think it's going to happen I think that Carl Froch will be staying retired but could you imagine that fight between Carl Froch and Callum Smith as that would be an absolute cracker Callum Smith now of course moves into the mandatory position for Badu Jack's WBC super middleweight title and of course Callum Smith now the EBU European champion and the new for Callum Smith another belt for the Smith brothers their collection just ever growing it's unbelievable moving down that bill Rocky Fielding of course we saw him out last time against Callum Smith where he got knocked out in the first round and Rocky Fielding had life and death, really, with Christopher Abress in this fight. Rocky Fielding, of course, boasts in a record of 21-1 and one before this fight. He fought Christopher Abrass. We've seen Abrass in there with Groves and give Groves a good fight, to be honest. Christopher Abrass, 24-4 and four with the three draws. This was for the vacant WBC international super middleweight title. Rocky Fielding was actually down in the second round. He got up and managed to win a split decision. It was very, very close, this fight. Could have gone either way. A lot of people were taking to Twitter to moan about this result. It wasn't, I don't know, in my opinion, I didn't really score the fight, but it was definitely, definitely close. And Rocky Fielding, like I say, was down in the second round. So, you know, it was an acid test for Rocky Fielding, but one that he prevailed nonetheless. It's now 22-1, and one, his record. Now, Rocky Fielding, so hopefully we'll see him in there with one of the top guys in the super middleweight division. Moving down to the next fight on that bill now, Scott Cardle, 19-0 and 0 before this fight. He faced Sean Masha Dodd in a rematch. This was a cracking fight last time when they when they fought. And now, of course, the second time round, it was very, very close, this fight. It ended up being a draw. It was a majority draw. Two judges gave it a draw, and one judge gave it to Scott Cardle, which was very, very controversial. In my opinion, I think Sean Masha Dodd got the win here, but a lot of people, again, took to Twitter to 
start slating that decision. I think that was very, very, very fortunate decision for Scott Cardle. Scott Cardle was cut above the left ear in the third round. It was a, it's a really horrible cut to be honest. It wasn't. I say it was really horrible. It was just in a horrible place. It, it, you know, a lot of blood came out of there. They managed to get it under control, to be totally honest. But not a nice cut. Not a nice wound. And under the left eyebrow, Scott Cardle was also cut in the eighth round. So a few cuts. It was quite bloody on Scotty Cardle's part. But Sean Mashadod, you know, he 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 did he managed to not get the win. We all thought he was going to be the new British lightweight champion. He was he was even celebrating after the fight. But in the post-fight interview, they they sat both the fighters down and they were talking about a third fight. Hopefully that does end up happening because, in my opinion, Sean Dodd was very 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 unlucky here. And to be totally honest, he took it like a gentleman. You know, he said at the end of the day, I'm a fighter. I'm not a judge. I'm not an official. They saw what they saw. I've got no no qualms with that. No arguments with that. So, an absolute gentleman, Sean Dodd. But I really think he should have got the win here. Anyway, enough of that one. We're going to move down now to another rematch, which was on the bill. They fought each other in prize fighter. Tom Doran got the win over Luke Keeler. Now they were fighting in a rematch. This time scheduled to go ten rounds. It didn't even make it a fifth of the way of that fight, to be totally honest. TKO victory in the second round for Tom Doran. So he extends his winning record to 17-0. and 0. Luke Keeler now 10-2. and 2. Both fighters were down in the first round. Tom Doran was down first, actually. It looked like Luke Keeler was going to be able to jump on him and get the finish. He did try and jump on him, but Tom Doran managed to put Keeler down. It was an absolutely fantastic first round. One of the first, one of the best first rounds we've seen in British boxing in the recent history to be totally honest and of course in the second round Luke Keeler was put down twice and that was the end of the fight so Tom Doran picks up a good win there also on the bill Tom Farrell he moved to 8-0 and with a points win after six rounds Reese Bellotti he got out again another prospect to watch out for he moved to 6-0 and um, his opponent Julio Betrago retired claiming a damaged hand he didn't want to come out for the seventh round and that's all of the reviewing that we're going to be doing on this week's show it's now time for our first guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome fighting on the martin joshua undercard on the 9th of april against lee selby for the ibf featherweight championship of the world it's eric outlaw hunter eric welcome to the show firstly a lot of the a lot of the crowd over here a lot of the boxing fans over here are not too sure about your story what inspired you to get into boxing eric uh you know uh, my uncle had got me into the sport um, and I've just been in it ever since. Okay. Um, of course, your record is 21 and 3. The three losses, not much you can go off. Um, I know one of them was a six-round split decision loss, and the other two were yeah. losses by disqualification. Um, yeah. Are you some? I haven't really seen those fights, but are you someone that loses your temper a little bit in the ring? No, I don't use my, lose my temper. Lose my temper. What happened was this. The first fight, the the first my first loss is really a cheat. I really got robbed. Like I really I had really got robbed in my first fight. And then my second loss, I took the fight like on eight days notice against Louis Franco, which I should never did. And uh, he beat he really was beating me, and that was my fault because I hit him repeatedly. I hit him with low blows repeatedly. So yes, that was my fault. And uh, with Mike Oliver. I was beating him. I knocked him out. If anybody know about know about Mike Oliver, he likes to play the foul game. Like he likes to to win fights on doing stuff like him. And looking look for looking. For, I, I I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have played myself on that. And he got lucky. He got lucky. 
and the, and the referee played played his game. But that was that was, that should that really should have been on my behalf instead of a loss. Yeah, I did actually catch a little bit of the fight. I did actually see that literally not too long ago. Like, um, like, 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 you, like you could watch you could watch that fight and see that it really wasn't my fault. I really supposed to won that fight, or they could have made it a no contest. Yeah, it was a little bit strange. I mean, the footage that I saw was literally just off YouTube. It wasn't the best camera angle, but um, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, what what do you actually know about Lee Selby? What tape have you watched on him? What's your opinion on him? What what do you think about Lee Selby? Um. I haven't really paid that much attention to him because uh, I seen I seen the fight that he's had with uh Gradovich and uh Montiel, Fernando Montiel. The Gradovich fight I didn't I didn't agree with how they had the scores, the scorecards, maybe because it was in his hometown. I hope they don't do the same thing to me because I really like UK and I and I hope they don't try to rob me either. But um when he came to the states he didn't do too well against Fernando Montiel. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I saw the Gradovich fight, of course, and the Montiel fight, yeah, he did struggle a lot in that fight. We actually had him on the show, Lee Selby, just before Christmas, and he had he was very honest about his performance in that fight. Um, again, for those that are not too familiar with your style, they may have not seen you fight. What fighters from history do you have a similar style to, in your opinion, or anybody else's opinion? What, what, what other fighters from history does your fighting style compare to? Um, some people say Sugar Ray Leonard, some people say Floyd, Somebody, some people say Melody Teller. Um, there's a few guys. Okay, all good names. Um, of course, this is this is your first time fighting professionally outside of the USA. Lee Selby, of course, not actually his backyard. He's from Wales, of course, but he's fought a few times in the London O2 Arena. How are you feeling? Of course, we're only a matter of days away from the fight now. It's the biggest fight of your life, no doubt. How are you feeling so close to the fight, coming coming away from your comfort, really, out of your comfort zone, coming all the way over to the UK? I really won't say it's out of my comfort zone because I never had it easy anyway, so it really won't be out of my comfort zone because they ain't give me nothing easy in my career. I just look at it as another fight. I don't really look at it as it being my biggest fight because it's just another opponent and just another man. I think that I'm the best. I'm the best fighter that he uh, that he's ever fought. You know what I mean? He got gratitude, but like I told you again, that fight wasn't that fight wasn't what it was on them scorecards. I don't agree with them scorecards. Um, and I'm just speaking from a boxing fan standpoint. And um, with the Mantiel, I thought them scorecards was a little bit better. I don't know, but he had trouble with both fighters. But um, I think I'm gonna be okay. I, I trust I, I trust the judges. I'm gonna trust the ref to do the right thing, and I should come up with the victory. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion on a couple of other fighters in your division. I wanted to ask you what your thoughts on Lomachenko were. I think I think I think that he is what what they say he is. He deserves it. And also Leo Santa Cruz. What's your opinion on Leo Santa Cruz? I know you've said a few things about him in the past as well. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sold on it. Only why I'm not sold on it because what he did with that rigging down thing. I'm not. I'm not. And I'm speaking from a fan. I'm not speaking through you no know, being mad or whatever because I'm not mad. But from a fan standpoint, I don't like. I don't like the fact that he ran from out of a division just to go to another division instead of instead of fighting one of the best fighters of our era at 122. And he had a championship belt. I put it up. I put it up. You got championship titles that you should want to defend them and 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 unify unify them, unify them. Because you become a champion to be the best at your weight class, not just be a champion and run away from another opponent. You know what I mean? So it's like when you become a champion, you want to fight everybody. I think that's the right thing to do. I think you take the fun out of, out of the sport. 
by fighting everybody just for the money. Even though you you want the money, but I think history is I think history should be wanting to be made too. That's the type of fight I am. That's the only why I'm really going coming over to y'all to, to London. And plus, I really wanted to fight over London. I really want to make history. Yeah, of course. Now you know we both know that you're you're of course the away fighter. The the crowd's going to be against you. I don't know if you've had that, if you've been through that experience before. Are you are you the type of fighter that thrives under pressure? I guess so, but I don't, I don't think it's as pressure. I just think that it's going to be patient and, and stay relaxed at all times. Are you a fighter that's able to sort of block out the crowd? Because like I say, it's going to be like a hostile yeah, I, vibe, of course. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I'll be okay. I'm I'm okay. I'm a relaxed type of guy anyway, so I don't I don't really get into that. Like I said again, I'm gonna be okay. I just hope the judges and the referee do their part, and I'm gonna do my part. Absolutely. What is your opinion, Eric, on the UK fans? Because I know that we're we're quite famous for being very loud in the sport, quite famous for being real hardcore boxing fans. What's your actual opinion on the UK fans? I think they're the best UK. I think they're the best fans in boxing. That I wish I had the same same. I wish my fans were as good as the UK fans. And um, I just want to give. Uh, I want to give them a great show because they're the best. Because surprisingly, there actually is some Eric Hunter fans over here. Don't worry about that. I'm sure you'll be surprised. There'll be a few people in the arena that will be sh- chanting for you. Believe me. Believe me. I'm going to move over now to. I just. I have to ask this to everybody we speak to from overseas. Eric, who is your favorite? UK fighter from history. Chris Eubank and Preston Nassim Ahmed. You like the flashy styles, yeah? Yeah, Chris Eubank. Chris Eubank was my first. I like how smooth he was. He, he, he was mad patient. He was mad, and he picked his shots very, very well. And Preston Nassim was, and he, I, I liked him a lot because he was flashy. Remind me a little bit like me. And, uh, and he was very powerful in both hands, and he was very unorthodox. And he, and he, and he's Muslim. Have you, have you seen anything of Chris Eubank Jr., of course, Chris Eubank's son? No, nah, I haven't seen too much of him. He was fighting last weekend. Um, he got in. He got himself... Yeah, go on. I heard he uh, hurt the guy pretty bad. Yeah, it was it was yeah, it was on terrestrial TV, so a lot of people were tuned in. Um, he actually he actually fought his way into the mandatory position to face Danny Jacobs for the uh, the middleweight title, but then he decided to drop down a level to try and fight for the British title. I probably didn't think he was ready. Yeah, I mean. Well, yeah, maybe he wouldn't come out and say that because he's he's supremely confident, just like his father. He's got a really good style. But yeah, the guy he fought yeah, was a British y'all champ. Know y'all, y'all know y'all, y'all very confident. Y'all very cocky over there in the, in the UK. Not all of us. <laughs> what everybody think, honestly, what everybody think about, uh, what's his name, uh, Lee Self? Because I don't see too many people that's really crazy about him. Yeah, I mean, of course, like Britain is obviously broke up between England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. So he's from Wales. So um, the general consensus on Lee Selby, yeah, he's a good fighter. I mean, a lot of people, his main fan base is in his own country in Wales. He's just fought a few times on Joshua's undercards, really, over here. So um, in London, of course. So he's been around the scene. Um, but again, most of his fans are in Wales. That's why it's really it's not much has been talked about Lee Selby. It's, it's mainly on Joshua because Joshua's like he's like a Hollywood he, star already. Yeah, but he, he's my he's my favorite up and coming fighter. And me and me. And he, and, he fo- and, he, and he followed me on uh, Instagram. I never knew he was following me on Instagram until somebody told one of my brothers told me that, you know, Anthony Josh, we follow you. But I didn't know who he was until I started checking him out. Then I said, damn, this kid, 
he's real big and strong. And he always comment on my pages and stuff when I'm training and stuff. He's like, I'm real good and all that other stuff. He always show me love on my page. That so, is interesting. Like yeah. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very big on him. Are you gonna? Are you choosing him over over Charles Martin? Do you think he? Do you think he'll beat Charles Martin? I, I, I'm more likely. I think he's gonna get it because I don't know too much about Charles Martin. I know more about Anthony Joshua than Charles Martin. Fair enough, but no, Charles Martin, just literally in a nutshell, he's he's the same size as Joshua. He's six foot six. He's he's a southpaw. And he's got, I think, twenty-one knockouts in twenty-two wins, unbeaten. So um, he, he's going to pose some sort of threat. I don't, I don't, I don't think that. I don't think that's going to mean anything. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure as soon as your fight is over, you'll get straight in the shower and come back and sit down in your seat and watch that fight, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay, listen. Absolutely. But I think, but I think honestly. If, if people know from me, from my fighting style and how good I am, I think that the, the people don't want to go on going with me as the one anyway. The only thing that he got in his favor right now, I think, is the judges. The judges, and the, that is in his hometown. But like I said again, I think that the judges are going to do good, probably. You know what I mean? Because I, I would love to come back and fight and defend my belt in, in London at the O2 Arena. Absolutely. Listen, I'm sure if we see your style, a lot of fans in the arena will become Hunter fans. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, your style's good. And um, we like that. We like your type of style over here. Believe me, I think you're, I think, um, as you say, you, you, you got a lot of love for the UK fans. I'm sure once we see your style, they have a lot of love for you too. I think I'm way faster than uh, Lee Selby. I think I'm more stronger than him. I think my feet work is way better than his. I think everything about it. About me, it's better than him. Not taking him, not taking him lightly, and nothing. You know what I mean? But like I said, I think that he's a good fighter. You know what I mean? So my team had my team. My team did a good job on him. I'm sure that his team did a good job on me. But I really want to get a fans a great fight. Like I want to really give them a great fight. I want him to. If he loves his fans, like I love the fans, we want to shut the crowd up. Like we want to. We want to have. We want to have a standing ovation, basically. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get that. I'm sure you'll get that. Okay, listen, Eric. Just before I sign you out of the show, can I just get your prediction and what we're gonna see from you on fight night, and of course your your fight outcome prediction? Um, I think um, my hand is gonna be raised. Um, I don't have a really prediction how the fight going to end. I just, I just want to give up a good fight. I just want to, I want the fans to be happy and enjoy the show. Absolutely. Now, listen, Eric. Although, um, of course, you're coming over to to my town as well. I sincerely wish you the best of luck. And um, at, the, at the end of the day, may the best man win. I, I wish you the best of luck coming over here. And of course, I'll speak to you on fight week anyway. But thank you so much for giving us a bit of time this close to your big fight, sir. Alright, thank you so much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, you should know by now, is the preview part where we preview the fights coming up this week. We're going to start over in Germany, top of the bill over there. Jack Kulkai, 21-1, and his record at the moment. He faces 
John Carlos Prada, who has a record of 31 and 1 with the one draw. This is for Jack Kalkai's interim WBA World Super Welterweight title, the 154 title. This should be a decent little scrap. That's the only fight on that bill that I should mention over in Germany. We're now going to go straight over to the big one. Again, there's not many fights on, but there's some big fights on this weekend, of course. This is the 9th of April on the Saturday. A big one over in the O2 Arena. If you don't know about this, you must be hiding under a rock. Top of the bill, IBF heavyweight champion of the world, Charles Martin defends his belt against Anthony Joshua. This is his first defense. A lot of people are not really familiar about this fact. Charles Martin, of course, when you win a belt, you've got to face two types of fights, mandatories and voluntaries. A mandatory is one that comes around every so many months and you've got to fight your mandatory, otherwise you lose the belt. And of course, in between that, you can have what's called a voluntary fight where you can choose someone in the top 15 usually and you can face whichever one you want, whichever one you can strike a deal with. Charles Martin chose Anthony Joshua for this fight, so you can imagine how how um, how confident he is going into this fight. Of course, money, money talks as well. But Charles Martin choosing to defend his title. This is his first defence. He's coming over to London in Joshua's backyard. Charles Martin, 23 and 0 with the one draw. Anthony Joshua, 15-0, and 0, all 15 wins by knockout, of course. This is going to be a cracker of a fight, I as whilst it lasts, isn't it? Trust me, this is going to be a big fight. I could not wait for Saturday to watch Joshua versus Charles Martin for the IBF Heavyweight Championship of the, of the world. This is, of course, Joshua's 16th professional fight. Do you think this is a little bit early or due to all the progress and, and the way that Joshua's been handling business up to this point, do you think it's the right time to stick him in there with, you know, a genuine, genuine challenge here, a genuine fighter who could definitely knock Joshua out? I mean, a lot of people are giving Joshua huge credit, yeah? And a lot of people think uh, Joshua's going to knock out Charles Martin. But no one really knows how good Charles Martin is because he hasn't really faced a top opponent. The fight, he, he fought Glasgow last time and for the vacant when he won the IBFL. But the thing is, Glasgow was injured in the second round with that knee, horrible knee injury. And no one's really actually seen Charles Martin being tested. So now we're going to actually see how good Charles Martin is when he fights Joshua. And we're going to see how good both of them are. Yeah, like I say, it's an acid test for both men. Charles Martin coming off a 13 knockout streak. 13 knockouts in a row, of course. That's including the stoppage that you just mentioned there over Glaskov. And of course, Anthony Joshua, 15-0, and 0, all 15 by knockout. So somebody, I, I believe, it's, I don't think it's going to go to decision. I think somebody's going to get knocked out, to be totally honest. Both men undefeated. And both men, someone's knockout streak is going gonna, is gonna to go. And some somebody's winning streak is going to go. So it's going to be really interesting this fight whilst it lasts. Like I say, it's an absolute cracker of a fight. I cannot wait. Of course, it's on Sky Sports box office. Moving down the bill, this is a triple world title card, this one. Lee Selby defends his IBF world featherweight title against Eric Hunter. Lee Selby, 22-1. and one. Eric Hunter, 21-3. and three. This should be a really good fight. Of course, we had Eric Hunter on the show just a while ago, so this should really be a tough one. I know that Eric Hunter's very, very confident. If you couldn't tell by the interview, he was very, very confident about coming over here and taking Lee Selby's title. So this one is definitely one to watch. Definitely, definitely going to be a really good fight. Also, the third world title fight, this was actually the fight that was added last to this card. 
Jamie McDonald, he defends his WBA World Bantamweight title. Jamie McDonald, of course, 27 wins, two losses, and the one draw. He faces ex-world champion Juan Alberto Rosas, who has a record of 41 wins and nine losses. So this is going to be a really good fight as well. Matthew Macklin also on the card. He faces Brian Rose. Now, this fight, I believe, is going to be a really, really good fight. Matthew Macklin, 34 wins and six losses. Brian Rose, 28 wins, three losses in one draw who do you see winning this fight i know there's a lot of good fights on this bill we're not going to talk about the winner of of martin and joshua or selby and hunter or jamie mcdonald and roses but this one really is a close to call fight macklin against rose i asked how do you see this fight going i see brian rose winning this on points yeah i definitely think it's going to go to points it's obviously scheduled for 12 rounds. I definitely think it will go to points, this this one. Um, I mean, of course, we'll have to wait and see, but I, I really do think it's going to be points, and I think I probably would have to go with Brian Rose. I think Matthew Macklin's shot, to be totally honest with you. And Brian Rose, not too impressive of late, to be totally honest. Um, we're going to leave that fight there. We're going to go down to the other fight on the bill. George Groves, 22-3. and three. He faces David Brophy undefeated 16 wins and the one draw this again is a 12 rounder in the super middleweight division how do you see this one going I as I know me and you both have not seen much of David Brophy but again an undefeated fighter is usually a hard fighter to beat and George Groves he's been in a lot of wars now do you think there's any chance that George Groves could could end up racking up a loss here an unexpected loss, but do you think that this there's a possibility that could happen on this big night of boxing? No, I can see George Groves knocking this guy out. Okay, sweet and simple like that. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Also, a massive prospect in the lightweight division, O'Hara Davis. He, at the moment, is 10-0. and 0. He faces Andy Keats, who has a record of 11-3. and 3. This is for the vacant English lightweight title, so hopefully O'Hara can go out there and do the business. Also on the bill, Ted Chi. He looks to move to 4-0. and He's got a fight penciled in with Ian Henry. Now, we've literally mentioned every single fight on that bill apart from one. One man, the son of a legend, the son of the Dark Destroyer. He's making his debut. It's a four-rounder. It's in the super lightweight division, the 140 division, which is a really hot division, of course. It'd be really interesting to be there and to see the journey that Connor Ben is about to embark on. Now, that's really it for the massive card at the O2 Arena. We're now going to go over to one fight I just want to mention over in Crawley at the K2 Leisure Centre. Ben Jones, he defends his WBO Intercontinental Featherweight title. His opponent yet to be announced, but Ben Jones boasting a record of 21 wins, five losses, and the one draw. Ben Jones, really nice lad. Again, someone that we had on the show a while back. And that's it for the UK now. We're now going to go over to the big one over in the MGM Grand Garden Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Top of the bill, Manny Pacquiao. He faces Timothy Bradley. Of course, this is the third fight between these guys. Manny Pacquiao managing to lose the first fight that they had. It was a very, very controversial loss to Tim Bradley. Everyone but the three judges gave that fight to Manny Pacquiao. But Tim Bradley managed to get the win somehow. 
And of course, when they had the rematch, Manny Pacquiao picked up the win. So it's 1-1. We're about to see who becomes victorious on the best out of three. Manny Pacquiao, of course, boasts in a record of 57 wins, six losses and two draws. Timothy Bradley, 33 wins, one loss and one draw. This is for the vacant WBO international welterweight title. How do you see this fight going, Ayaz? This could potentially be Manny Pacquiao's last fight. Do you reckon he's going to be able to beat Tim Bradley here? Or have you got Tim Bradley beating Manny Pacquiao? I actually got Tim Bradley, uh, Timothy Bradley. Bradley beating Manny Pacquiao. Do you think it's going to be by points or do you think it's going to be knockout? I reckon Timothy Bradley beats Manny Pacquiao on points. Yeah, it's an interesting fight nonetheless. Also on that bill, Arthur Abraham defends his WBO World Super Middleweight title against Gilberto Ramirez. Arthur Abraham, of course, 44 wins and four losses. Gilberto Ramirez, 33-0. and 0. Now, this could be the time we see Arthur Abraham lose his belt because Gilberto Ramirez is a really, really good fighter. So this will probably be the best fight on the card. I really, really cannot wait to see this one. Also on the bill... Oscar Valdez, 18-0. He faces Evgeny Gradovich, 21-1 with the one draw. This is for the vacant WBO, NABO featherweight title. So Evgeny Gradovich gets out again. Of course, this will be a really good fight. Another one that may steal the night, to be totally honest, these two guys. So it's a really, really good fight, that one. And also on the undercard, this is going to be the last fight I mentioned on this card. And in fact, the last fight I mentioned of the preview part of the show. It's in the welterweight division. It's a 10-rounder, Konstantin Ponomarev. Again, I'm not too sure if I've pronounced that right. 29-0, and 0, this guy's record. He faces a guy called Brad Sullivan, who has a record of 26-0. and 0. So two guys in there. Somebody's O's got to go. Both of them, to be honest, I haven't heard much of. But one of them, of course, 29-0. and 0, One of them, 26-0. and 0. It should be interesting seeing what happens there. Okay, that's really it for the preview segment on this week's show. We're now going to welcome our second guest. Okay, now it's time for our final guest on this week's show. Coming off of what some people call an upset win on the weekend, it's Eric Molina. Eric, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you guys. Thanks for having me, man. No problem, no problem. Okay, let's get let's get down to the main talking point. Of course, you went over to Thomas Adamek's backyard in Poland. 99% of people thought you were going to lose this fight. I was in the 1% category. Can you walk us through this fight, Eric? Tomas Adamak, we've seen a lot of video on him, and uh, we knew he was a very tactical fighter. He was He's a warrior in the ring, and we knew that it was going to come down to a little bit more than just, just going in there and, and, and doing some things that normally I do. I knew it was going to be a, a game of checkers. I knew it was going to be a give-and-take type of fight, and uh, we knew that I was going to have to dig deep to come out with a win out there in Poland. I just wanted to ask, how much notice did you get on this fight, Eric? Um. This was the this was the longest notice I've get, I've been given my whole career. They gave me a full ten weeks, um, seventy seventy days on the dot to get ready. Ten weeks. We put the camp together in one week. We trained seventy days for this. We we were extremely prepared, and uh, we were very confident coming into this fight. This is the first time in my career that I've had a full world class training camp with sparring partners, uh, nutritionists, diet. Uh, barring, uh, strength and conditioning. I mean, the road work, everything everything was done at, at, in a world-class level. And uh, I'm just thankful I was given that time by the by Polsat Boxing and at Team Adamac. And, uh, you know, luckily we came out with the wins. Now, Eric, when you landed that punch in round 10, did you ultimately know that that was all she wrote and that Adamac would not be getting back up? 
Well, I, I knew that it was a really good punch. Um, I felt really smooth when I threw it, and I, I felt a connection right from my knuckle onto his face. And I knew it was going to be very, very difficult for him to, to, to beat that punch. I just felt it on the spot. You know, the fighter knows when he lands a good good shot. So, yeah, I was I was pretty confident that he, was, he wasn't going to recover from that shot. Okay. Now, by winning this fight, you also picked up the IBF Intercontinental Heavyweight title. This should no doubt spring you into a big opportunity to hopefully challenge for a world title again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're hoping that we could get another shot at a world title. You know, I, you know, I told you something earlier. There's one thing about this fight in Poland that was a victory over everything. That was my story of who I am outside the ring. Many of these heavyweights don't know. I'm a full-time teacher. For five years, I worked 50 hours a week as a full-time teacher, and I've made it this far. Things are about to change. I'm about to take this heavyweight game. I'm about to change, take my game to a full-time level. I'm about to bring every resource that I could bring to the table, every effort, everything that I could bring to the table is going to be all dedicated to winning this heavyweight world title. I, I'm in a good spot right now, and uh, I have too many people behind me. My story's been introduced to the world. And I feel like it's time to give everything that I got into becoming the first Mexican-American heavyweight champion. I just want to touch on that, Eric. What subject do you teach? I work with uh, high school special education students with students with disabilities, autism, Down syndrome, emotionally disordered uh, students, intellectually disabled students. Um, and I've been doing that for five years now. I, I was doing it when I fought Wilder. It was extremely difficult, and I think I've stretched this boxing teaching thing out as far as I can. You know, is it one thing that I that I, that I came back and I was I was at work yesterday morning at 7:45. I'll tell you right now, there's not too many heavyweights that could put my shoes on every day, and uh, I take a lot of pride in that. But I feel like it's time for me to even the playing field with these guys, and and uh, I think that's definitely gonna gonna benefit me. And, and, movement that I'm trying to, to do in the heavyweight division. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now since since we last spoke, a lot has gone down in the heavyweight division over the last couple of months. Um, Lucas Brown knocked right. out Ruslan Shagaev. He apparently found a drug test. What's your take on this whole situation? Man, that's just it's scary stuff, man, because what's going on out there in these other countries, I'm not going to lie, we were kind of scared out there in Poland. And uh, you just never know. You just never know what's going on when you fight in different countries. Um, I can honestly say that one thing that was surprising for me in Poland was the people were amazing. The experience was was a life life changing experience in Poland. But one thing that did surprise me was the commission down there. I mean, it was virtually inexistent. I mean, from from the from them trying to trying to tell me about my raps and using certain guys, and I mean, it was it was ridiculous. You know, the commission, in my opinion, was the IBF representatives. And, and uh, I, I don't know, I, I just kind of felt like uh, as far as the event went, I, I, I didn't see too too much structure coming from the commission, which kind of worried us because man, anybody could anybody could have done anything to, to, to taint anything that, that I had to do with that fight. So it's definitely a concern when you're fighting in, in different countries. You don't know what to expect. I've been keeping up with the Lucas Brown story, and, you know, um, it's just, I don't know, it's unfortunate and, and, and things that, I mean, what, what can you say about it, you know? 
Yeah, hopefully the right outcome. Um, hopefully we all find yeah. out the right outcome soon. Um, yeah. Of course, this week, Charles Martin defends his IBF heavyweight world title as he takes on Anthony Joshua. Joshua's only had 15 right. fights, all by knockout, nonetheless. How do you see this fight panning out, Eric? I, I think that, and you know, I've told you guys this before, Anthony Joshua's got all the tools to become one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. He's got the size, he's got the strength, he's got... But there's one thing about Anthony Joshua that, and this is, I'm going to tell you this right now, this is the X factor of everything. You have yet to see Anthony Joshua in a fight where he has to think and use his mind. I don't know if Charles Martin is going to be able to hit him hard enough to do that. I, I don't know. When, when you put a fighter in there in front of you that could hurt you at any given moment and possibly has hurt you, and you got to think and you gotta, you got to do something else than rely on your strength, then you get tested as a fighter. I don't think we've seen that from Anthony Joshua yet. I don't know if we'll be able to see it this Saturday, but I think when the day comes and he's tested in that way, we'll find out how great he is or how great he's going to be. That, that's, that's what I feel about him. I feel like he's got all the attributes to win. I, 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 Martin's a good friend of mine, but I don't know. I've just never seen him. I've never seen him be in with anybody close to Joshua. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see him. May the best man win. Um, also, a fight that's yes, been made, sure. and we'll, we'll be seeing it shortly, Wilder against Povetkin. It's, a lot of people didn't think that this was going to take place in Russia, but it seems like it's going to right. be. How do you see that one going? I see Wilder winning the fight. I got a lot of respect for Wilder. Wilder's a, I told you this before, Wilder's a very smart fighter. He's extremely, He's extremely smarter than what a lot of people give him credit for. I'm a big fan of Wilder. Uh, people don't give him as much credit as he deserves. You know, the guy's a very strong fighter, very uh, awkward fighter, uh, kind of hard to to bring in sparring that's going to prepare you for a Wilder type of fight. I mean, the guy's very unique when he fights, his style. And uh, I, see, I see Wilder taking care of business and winning this fight maybe late, if not by decision. Like I said before, you know, I, I said, when I was in there with Wilder, you guys thought it was a fluke. You guys thought that Wilder had an off night. But that wasn't the case. It was just the fact that me maturing as a fighter, I was able to get better at three time. And, you know, hopefully I can still get better as the time goes by. Okay, the last question I've got for you now, Eric. A fight that is a bit of a strange one. It's kind of taken it's taken me by surprise anyway. Kubrat Pulev is going to take on Derek Chisora. How do you see that fight going? Right. Well, you know what? When we were down in, in, in Poland, I was hearing uh, an I, about an IBF bracket type of thing to where Pulov was going to fight Chisora and that the winner was going to face Adamak or me. And uh, I'm excited about that. You know, I, I advance. If that is the case with the IBF and that's what they have planned out in elimination type of, of thing uh, for the number one spot, I'm all for it. You know, uh, I like Chisora. I like the excitement. He brings, I've never been really too, uh, everybody's always been Pulov, Pulov. I've never seen anything special about him. Uh, I don't feel like he's a big puncher. I think he's a rugged guy, but I mean, I think Chisora's got a little bit more heart and more punch than he does. So I feel Chisora will win maybe by decision or if not like a late stoppage. And I, I, I've always liked to fight with me and Chisora. And I got no problems going to England. I got no problems going back to Poland. I got no problems going anywhere. I'll bring an exciting fight wherever I go. And I think the statement has, has been made already that anybody, anybody, I don't care who they are, when they're facing Eric Molina, it ain't never going to be no easy fight. Absolutely. Okay, listen, Eric, it's been my pleasure once again having you on our show. I wish you all the best for the future and hope that this year we finally get to really see what Eric Molina's all about in the heavyweight division. 
Yes, thank you guys for having me. I just want to send a shout-out to all the, the fans, the heavyweight fans out in Britain, and uh, just uh, I know it's exciting times out there for them, and uh, it's for them to enjoy this fight this week, and we're all looking forward to it here in America, and you guys uh, take care. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 27 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the two Eric's, Eric Molina and Eric Hunter. And also a big shout out to Michael Buffer for becoming part of the intro. So his beautiful voice will be on every single show now. Also a massive thank you and the most biggest thank you to our listeners for making this show what it is. We'll be back next week with another big show. Until then, then take care.